are you from? Right here. Back to serve your community. Thank you for choosing me. I require discipline. Stick to your rank, never question an order. Yes, matron. I won't keep you if you don't fit. We have to move nearly all the patients out because of the cut tonight. You will stay on. The dark shift. Does the dark bother you? A place people die in should never be allowed to get that dark. I love working nights. You can get up to all sorts. Bit of dark, must give of herself entirely. Sacrifice. How much are you willing to give? Who is she? Gay. What does she want? Val, now listen to me. And sent by God to guide me. Be my light and walk beside me. Be my guardian and protect me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. How are you doing, Venom? Greetings and salutations, ghost hunters. I'm not doing too bad. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty well, and a happy 420 to you. I'm sure uh, it's yes. being celebrated a lot in SoCal, just like up here in NorCal. <laughs> I don't, uh, you're not really going to get away from it in SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. I mean, the the Seven Eleven in my neighborhood actually has 420 like specials. I, I got a text today from the Seven Eleven app. So yeah, even corporate America is getting in on it. So, eh. Oh yeah, doing? never waste an opportunity in that department for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, joining us as well, it's Don and Ellie. How are you doing, Don? Well, uh, I'm not baked if that's what you're. Lying on this 420, but um, other than that, I'm fine, yeah. Well, there's still time. <laughs> I wouldn't put money on it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, today we are discussing a movie that is right now streaming on Shudder. Official release date, according to IMDb, is showing April 8th. And it is called The Power. Hour 32 running minute, or running minutes, running time. And the synopsis, 1973, a young nurse is forced to work the night shift in a crumbling hospital as striking miners switch off the power across Britain. But inside the walls lurks a terrifying presence that threatens to consume her and everyone around her. That's a good uh, paragraph that didn't give away too much. I mean, no. uh, all right, well, let's start out as usual with general thoughts. So, Venom, what did you think of the power? 
Um, this is going to be another divisive film, I think, amongst the community. It definitely has a more artistic horror feel to it. Once again, as my go, my usual go-to of you know a two-four film style filmmaking. Um, it still has its problems, but let me go over the positives first. I mean, first of all, this sound design is great. I, I think the sound design really adds to the atmosphere and tension of this film. And while we're on it, atmosphere, I mean, that this is probably the strongest aspect of this film is its atmosphere. At You know, as the synopsis said, it's set in a hospital that could or may, may or may not be haunted. Um, <clears throat> so we get a lot of the, you know, familiar set pieces especially early in a film where you know it's pretty quiet and not a lot happens um and then i think that's going to be a big issue with um the horror community is going to be the pacing of this film even though we get some really good tension and atmosphere we don't get a lot of payoff throughout the film um and i'm not necessarily looking for more jump scares necessarily of course we get our share of jump scares here as with any good haunted house film but um I feel like this one's going more for filmmaking and performances than overall scares. Um, I, I genuinely enjoyed the performance of our main actress, uh, Rose Williams, who played Valerie, I, our main uh, protagonist. And, you know, I thought she did a really, really good job from beginning to end. Um, I thought just about all the performances in the movie were really well done. As I've already said, the sound design is amazing. Very good score, very competent score. Um, some really nice filmmaking, some decent cinematography, and some of the tight shots inside the hospital. Um, but ultimately, as I've already said, I think pacing and just overall horror activity is what's going to bother a lot of people. Ultimately, this is, an, this is a 90-minute movie where nothing even remotely supernatural happens until the 30-minute mark. So we're talking an entire act of the film has gone by before you even realize that you're watching a horror film. So... Um, like I said, it's going to have its pacing issues, but ultimately, um, I feel if you're a fan of, you know, recent releases like St. Maud, like The Stylist, I think you might be into the artistic presentation here, but ultimately, I'm, I'm a little down on the film. I, I wish I liked it more. I generally like films like this. In fact, I kind of rallied for us to cover this film this week over a couple of other choices that we had. And unfortunately, it left me a little flat. The ending is a little too tidy. Um, not to say that it's, you know, it's obviously an over the top style ending, but it's a haunted house movie. So you kind of expect it. But ultimately, you know, just a very convenient ending that works for all characters involved, all the positive characters involved anyway. So, um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the film, but it definitely has its shortcomings, and uh, I don't see this one being a gigantic hit amongst the community, even though I have seen a lot of positive feedback, which, you know, de it definitely is going to make the filmmakers uh, feel really good about this. Uh, written and directed by Karina Faith, so, I mean, you know, we've got some more female representation, and uh, which is always great, but... You know, overall, the movie just left me just a tad flat. It's about middle of the road for me, maybe leaning towards kind of the darker side of the middle of the road. Not really working out for me on every aspect, but it's a beautiful film to look at regardless. So, yeah, that's it for the power. All right, Don, you have the power now. So what did you think of the movie? 
Um, I'm kind of in line with Venom, although I think I like it a little bit more from how he sounds. Um, I do agree that it's absolutely spectacular looking. It, the atmosphere of this thing is absolutely incredible, and I think that's going to be where a lot of the positives are going to be centered around for others when they get to see this because I do agree that you know the hallways the you know the corridors you know the long just general blackness and everybody just walking around in shadows and everything I think that's going to win a lot of people over and make them think it's scarier than it actually is because he hit my one big flaw with this thing in that it's basically pay it's set up without payoff and a lot of what happens in here is creepy in concept but execution wise there's no like it doesn't give you that satisfying jolt that what something that what they're doing should actually should actually pay off and you know a lot of it you know I'm trying to you know dance around spoilers here but this should be you know, you should jump at this film based on the atmosphere and the setup of this of what's happening here. And you don't. There's like almost virtually no jump scares. There's almost virtually like no jolts or like startling moments if you want to, you know, use whichever term you want to use. And this is a film that it cries out for it because otherwise it's incredibly flat. It's essentially just people wandering around in the dark building, and you know, yeah, eventually you do get more than that. But based on the setup, this had the potential to, you know, be at the top of the list. But I do agree that the lack of execution, the lack of payoff, kind of drags it down way too much for what it should. Um, I mean, like I said, I do think that I like it a little bit more than he did. But my main issue is that it doesn't pay off what it should and you know we do get more ghost action than what i would have expected or more supernatural if that's your you know that's floats your boat mm -hmm. but there's it really feels like there should have been more and it's really missing from 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 the film so yeah and one actual thing that i forgot to mention in my general thoughts as well is that the movie for the first half of the movie we get a very, you know, um, women-centric uh, message in the film of, you know, women not being listened to, women not being heard, especially in the workplace in 19, early 70s, you know, UK. Um, but one of my biggest problems is that they just kind of let it go flat because of the way that they decide to punish the antagonists in this film. It feels like the overall message was just dropped. Um uh, it, it, uh, without getting into spoilers, I can't, you know, I can't really talk too heavily on this, but it, it had the potential to really make a bold statement, I feel, about, you know, women, you know, being looked at as second class citizens and things like that, not being listened to, not being taken seriously. But it just in the third act, it just completely abandons it and then just gives us this convenient, quote unquote, horror ending that, you know, might satisfy the supernatural hounds, but it doesn't really satisfy me um, as far as like what I was looking for story-wise. So I feel like they started telling the right message, but they just left it dangling at the end and they just made it kind of a guilty pleasure type ending as opposed to something that was like 
more profound. Okay. <laughs> Sorry well, to get all heavy. <laughs> well, I, I, I just didn't want to cut in because I wasn't sure if Don still had more to say. Um, I wasn't either. I didn't know if that was the ending of his, but uh, I was done with mine. But I just I didn't know if he was done with with his stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm done with mine, but I didn't. I was waiting to see if he was going to do. Me we're also polite here. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're giving the listeners a chance to stew on it before we get to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna echo some stuff Don said, I thought this is one of those movies where the setup promised something that wasn't delivered. Um, I was interested in kind of like the power dynamic they set up, the hierarchy. Um, Obviously you you get the sense that, you know, the way the story goes, there's probably going to be some type of misconduct or dirty skeletons in the closet or stuff going on in that hospital that's going to be revealed and i was kind of interested in the the supporting cast but as the movie went on it just felt like the majority of them were just kind of there to fill time um obviously we get the reveal of one character much later in the movie but i i think unfortunately this is a type of movie that the actual horror elements themselves were probably the most dull aspect of the movie. And that's not to say that they were done horribly or they looked bad. It was just that once we kind of got to it, it just felt kind of dull and been there, done that. And it didn't, to me, didn't add much to the story because the stuff that got revealed via supernatural stuff, it was just like, well, that, I mean, we were kind of already going on that road anyway of learning these things and being kind of uh, distrustful of the surroundings and the characters. And, uh, man, if I want to say the things that I really liked about the movie, I thought the lead actress was really good in her portrayal. Um, I, you know, her character had a good solid foundation of why she was motivated to take that job in the first place, it made sense, given her upbringing, why she chose to want to help. Um, I thought the movie sounded great. The sound design um, in the hospital was really good. You know, when we hit the horror moment, if there was one thing about the horror stuff that I liked, it was uh, uh, the sound design. I liked how they use lighting effects in this. I thought for being like in like uh, a movie where the majority of it's kind of dimly lit. I thought it looked really good cinematography, that kind of stuff. They obviously have skills um, with how to actually film stuff, which is, which is good. So I thought it set up a really good atmosphere. I just felt as things played out. And once we kind of got to that third act, I, I was kind of left just like, Oh, this is it. Like this, this is, What's going to happen? Okay. I mean, is it bad? No, but I just felt like the table was set for something so much more. And at the end of the day, it ended up just like a paint by numbers, supernatural kind of, I guess, ghost slash possession slash everything we've seen before. And that's not always a bad thing, but I think sometimes like to contrast this with something like from last year, like his house where 
you know, that wasn't the first ghost story I've, I've ever seen, but they were able to craft it in a new and interesting way that I don't see five times every year. And compared to this, where once we started getting the horror stuff, it just felt like there was nothing new offered or all that interesting. Um, and that's not that the, it's not a problem with the story itself, but just, I don't know. It, it's, it's not good when you make a horror movie where the actual horror elements are like just the most <laughs> whatever aspects to it. Um, doesn't mean, you know, overall, I didn't think the movie was bad. It was okay. I was hoping for more. I'd actually heard like a handful of people like say that they, they really like this. Mm-hmm. So not that, not that that always matters for your, you know, everyone's personal enjoyment, but you know, it did, it did make me a little more hopeful that uh, um, I would enjoy it more than I did. At the end of the day, I would say middle of the road movie, maybe slightly higher than middle the road but not great and probably not something that's gonna be anywhere close to a top 10 at the end of the year unfortunate but uh, that's how it is sometimes um yeah i think because the movie does what it does well incredibly well people are gonna have a fond memory of it they're gonna remember the great atmosphere the great performances the incredible sound design they're probably just going to be a little bit more forgiving of the lackluster, you know, horror element of the third act, uh, you know, the big payoff and maybe even, you know, our big climax at the end that for me was a little lackluster. Um, I could see a lot of people really, really getting into it. But, you know, for me, I just just like Mike, I expected a little bit more and just really, really wanted to see just a little bit more with that ending. And to see, and I used the word profound earlier purposely because because of the subject matter, I felt like the ending needed to be more profound, more um, having to do with more people outside of the hospital. But instead, you know, as I as I mentioned earlier, they chose to go with an ending that gives us the guilty pleasure ending, but doesn't end up making any kind of real statement um, other than men are bad and, you know, boo. But yeah, and I thought one of the characters that was set up a certain way and then just like that mm-hmm. oh so kind of on your side the whole time just couldn't say it like <laughs> yeah. and, but and, but see that's an example of like i found that interesting that or that character kind of intriguing and interesting in the beginning i wanted to see more of that character on the film but i guess because of the story it was not possible for them to be there on screen longer but i i, I just felt like man i i would have liked to got a little more background on some of these characters um, to see exactly like what their history, like what their involvement, what, you know, what they knew exactly that was going on. Cause it, some of it was, I don't know if I'd use the word ambiguous because I think they're hinting at like everyone just keeping silent about everything going on and everyone. But I was like, are they trying to do a nuance or like maybe they didn't know so much and they, you know, but I don't know. It, no, Maybe it's valid because I was in that sense, but no, definitely. I, I was thinking about that with our two nurses, um, Comfort and I forget the name of the other nurse. But with those two, yeah, I, I, I throughout most of the second half of the movie, I was basically wondering, do these two know more than they're letting on? And it seems like at multiple times throughout the film, they kind of imply that they do, but they never really answer any kind of questions about it. 
Um, especially not comfort, but the other nurse, the, the way that she reacts to Valerie's injuries, where she literally just wants to get out of the hospital right then and there. It's like, okay, that woman knows something. How about you tell me what she knows? God damn it. So mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's definitely some dangling plot points in this film that are unfortunately left dangling, but you know, at the end of the day, it, it's, it, it's still a beautiful movie. It's got a lot of positives, a lot of good things going for it. It's just, you know, if you're looking for an actual scary haunted house or hospital movie, this probably isn't it. But if you're looking for one that actually has like a message that it's trying to send, then, you know, this might be more uh, for you. Um, it seems like this movie should have come out during uh, Women in Horror Month, but eh, it only missed it by a little bit. So that's OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I said, when you were talking about like the message, yeah, I mean, I, I thought there was like plenty the movie had to say i mean i even think there was some like messaging on you know how the system treats you know uh patients that come from poverty different you know i i thought there was elements of all that in there and it's why i I, you know i'll I'll go i'll even go as far as go as far to say that like like the first act i was really hopeful (laughs) like i was like wow like this could turn out to be really good and then even even somewhat into the second act i was still holding that hope out but it's just the disappointment kind of set in with how things turned out and it just seemed to fall flat by the end because there was just i think this is a movie where its greatest crime is that it had the potential to be so much more yeah, that's that's definitely the most unfortunate part of it. I mean, because, you know, I was on board for a lot of the movie. I mean, we all know I like my slow burns, um, but it's always the fact of the matter that I need a payoff. If you're going to make me sit through a slower movie, and unfortunately, the first two acts of this film are very slow. We have already said the atmosphere, spectacular, great tension, great sound design, great performances. So the movie has its positives, a plethora of them. But unfortunately, as a horror fan, I'm left a little disappointed because, I mean, not that I'm looking for movies to quote unquote scare me anymore. I've been watching these movies for 40 years. It's really hard for anything to actually terrify me anymore. But at the very least, I want to see some really good work done with tone and tension and maybe, you know, working with and against our expectations in a haunted house movie and like Mike said, this one started out with a lot of potential. It seemed like it was going to subvert some of our expectations and maybe take things in a different direction. But at the end of the day, it's pretty much a, you know, color by numbers, you know, haunted house spirit seeking revenge story, you know, that it, it, it'll be satisfying for some, but it, it also won't be for others. So it, it's a coin flip, honestly, on this one, I, I would still give the movie a recommend, um, a fi- maybe not a strong recommend, but a fairly solid recommend, um, especially once again, it's on Shutter. So, you know, if you have um, access to a Shutter account, you got nothing better to watch. Check it out. Um, I still think it needs to be watched. It just, you know, left me just ever so slightly flat. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> all right, folks. So. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, move on to our quickie walkthrough. This is going to be a kind of a fast one because, as we've already all three of us kind of said, um, there are kind of a few pacing issues here and there. And I counted at one point 
almost 18 minutes of just our, you know, titular or not our titular, but our our protagonist just kind of walking from room to room in the hospital, interacting with different people, but nothing really too major happening. So, you know, we'll try to skim through a lot of that stuff. So let's go ahead and begin. Our movie opens up with Valerie. Uh, she's obviously a young, idealistic um, nurse. Um, she's starting her new job at a hospital, um, and she literally, on her first day, already has an altercation with her um, supervisor, who they call the matron. Um, the matron kind of informs her that she is being forced to work the night shift for basically defying one of the very first things that the matrix, uh, the matron, excuse me, that the matron asked her to do, and that was of course course to not speak to doctors as mike mentioned earlier we are in the early 70s here and the matron does give the young nurse very specific instructions to not communicate with the doctors directly that they communicate above her pay grade but of course she ends up having a nice interaction with a doctor that just ends up going awry for her of course not her fault either because he Oh, starts the conversation with her and you can see the conflict on her face almost immediately like do i respond <laughs> exactly and it's a shame that the matron didn't notice that too because yeah like you said valerie was obviously very um uncomfortable as soon as the doctor mentioned her at all so yeah even if it was in a positive light you know you basically in the first half hour of your shift already defied one of the first things that you were told by your supervisor so yeah, yeah. not only that but then he's like asking her advice about like a patient yeah really <laughs> he probably thought he was doing something sweet but of course the matron didn't look at it that way unfortunately so as we said um uh, valerie is being forced to work the night shift the issue with that there's two issues with that the first one is that at the beginning of the movie, we get a little text uh, crawl at the beginning informing us that due to um, disagreements between the local labor unions in the UK and uh, the UK government, um, that there have been rolling blackouts occurring throughout the city. Um, they don't really get into any more explanation than that. So basically, we know that you know lights are being turned off, usually at night, it kind of seems that they're doing this at night more often since I guess more people won't need the light as much in the evening when they're asleep. But yeah. Um, and of course Val. Uh, oh, and then the other big thing about this is of course Val is afraid of the dark. Now at this point, we're not a hundred percent sure why she's afraid of the dark and she actually is very admirable in hiding it. I mean, you don't even really notice right away until much later in the film when she actually admits that she's afraid of the dark and why, but we won't get into that right now. So, of course, Val is incredibly excited to be forced to work a night shift. Um, so that evening, Val meets a young Indian girl named Saba. Um, this girl, for some reason, is always trying to escape the hospital. No one understands why. There's no parents around. Oh, and by the way, this is a just a legitimate hospital with, like, you know, an ICU ward, a pediatric ward, things like that. It's not a mental institution necessarily, though they do have a uh, mental health ward, but more on that later. <laughs> um <laughs> so uh that like i said val meets saba saba and val hit it off right away val obviously is you know first day so she's very friendly uh, which saba instantly notices but saba also has some kind of unspoken connection with val that isn't quite explained to us yet but keep that in the back of your mind so 
that first evening, you know, Valerie is, you know, walking around the hospital um, in her ward and just meeting up with different people, you know, throughout the hospital. Some people that she's have that she's had a past with and others she has not. Um, as we mentioned earlier, there are a couple of nurses um, in the movie uh, that work on the floor below the floor that Valerie is currently working on or the, fl the floor that she's assigned to. Um, one of them is named Comfort, and that is such a great name to remember. It's so distinguishing. And I can't remember what the other woman's name was. So she, she should have had a more original name like Comfort. Um, but these are two nurses that have been at the hospital for a while. They actually treat Valerie fairly friendly, other than the fact that they've heard stories about something that happened to Valerie while she was at school. Just rumors kind of being, you know, spread throughout the, the hospital, but nothing concrete. So once again, we'll kind of return to that point in a little bit. Um, she also meets up with an ex-friend uh, that she went to school with, or I would say acquaintance more than friend because she kind of comes off as a bully and that's Babs or Barbara. Um, Babs, like I said, is surprised to see Valerie there. She didn't realize that Valerie was going to be working at the same hospital. And you can obviously tell that they have a little bit of a bully and a buller or a bully and bullier past. I don't know how to, you'd put that. But anyway, the point is Babs obviously is, uh, you know, very much, um, kind of, you know, has herself up on a pedestal more than old poor Val, who is an orphan, you know, who grew up in an orphanage, a local orphanage. So, of course, she comes from nothing and everyone is better than her, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so throughout the evening, as I said, Val's walking around the hospital. At one point in the hospital, she thinks that she starts to hear voices, whispers throughout the hall. And at one point, uh, an unforeseen force actually pulls on Valerie's coat, dragging her a few feet behind her. At that exact moment, Babs comes back from what she was out doing, and you know they have a little bit of an altercation where Babs think or Val thinks that Babs might be messing with her, but of course, no, that's not the case. Mm. Uh, throughout the movie, Val also has little flashbacks, little like quick montage flashbacks of things that, of course, she doesn't understand. Um, things like someone setting themselves on fire, um, a purple stuffed animal, um, a girl being held up against a wall, just like different flashes like that. Um, obviously, these are pieces of the puzzle that will be put together as the movie goes along. But, you know, they give us little pieces as we go. All right. So um, at this point... Um, a few more minutes go by, you know, more of Valerie walking around the hospital. And then suddenly um, Valerie is attacked uh, more more aggressively this time. Something actually like whips her around the room. Um, Valerie ends up telling the nurses that she was attacked. You can tell that the nurses both are kind of skeptical, but at the same time, they have a sense of this girl might not be lying. Uh, you know, they they try to convince her that nothing happened. They try to convince her that it was all in her head. And uh, eventually Valerie kind of realizes what they're what they are doing. And she just kind of plays along. She's like, no, I guess nothing happened. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. But at this point, while the nurses are attending to her wounds, uh, something possesses Val. We basically see the image of the POV shot 
uh, very much like the Evil Dead, the, the presence in the Evil Dead um, <laughs> rushing towards Val. Suddenly she bends backwards, her eyes roll back, and then when she straightens up again, she has a different expression on her face. Very obviously Val has been possessed by something or someone. Uh, we're not 100% sure yet uh, what it is at this point. So, you know, uh, let's just go with evil presence. That'll probably work for now. Um, so at this point, um, Val has a very, how can we put it? An Emily Rose type reaction where she just starts falling on the floor, starts writhing around, acting like just a complete mental case. If anybody remembers Jennifer Carpenter's, uh, performance in Emily, in the, the exorcism of Emily Rose, you remember, you know, the great contortion and body work that she did. Val yeah. gives us a little bit of that here while she's possessed by something. It's like, it's like borderline seizure-like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. But you can also tell by some of the flashbacks that, uh, or some of the, like, quick scenes that are flashing in her head that this is something that's actually happened to someone in this hospital. Um, as I said, you you kind of get flashes of a little girl being held in the same position, the same awkward positions that Valerie is currently contorted in. So, you know, yeah. um, it, when you're watching it, it's very obvious. It's kind of hard to put into words. But, yeah, um, you, you put the pieces together fairly easily while you're watching the film. Um, so after this episode, Valerie now has strangulation bruises on her neck. The thing is, only one of the nurses can see these strangulation wounds. Um, Comfort, who seems like she's like the more senior of the of the two nurses, can't see these wounds. But the other nurse, um, the white lady, she actually sees the the bruises on Valerie's neck, and that's when she just leaves the hospital. Like literally, it's one of the smartest horror movie decisions I've ever seen. This lady is no joke. She's just nope. I'm out. And literally, it's the last time we see her in the movie. So how, how to end your horror movie in like 20 minutes. People see something weird or off and just leave. Get the fuck out. So obviously, <laughs> the filmmakers are trying to imply that that nurse knows something. Because why would she see bruises, you know, strangulation bruises around someone's neck and react like that? Like, nope, I'm out of here. Um, so, yeah, it, it is. it does seem like it's implied that they know something. So... Um, after this little episode and after our nurse decides to leave, um, Valerie once again becomes possessed and she actually grabs a pair of scissors and stabs herself in the leg. She does this because the nurse was basically telling Valerie to go home for the night. The nurse wasn't going to like, um, what do you call it? Uh, give her a room and like, you know, put her in the hospital for the night for observation or anything. She basically was just like, you seem fine. So why don't you just go home to the point where she actually is like forcing her? No, just go home. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, at this point, Valerie is possessed yet again by this entity and she stabs herself in the leg with scissors. At this point, this makes, um, the uh, nurse comfort, you know, kind of suspect that there might be something wrong with Valerie. So she kind of pulls her aside and sedates her. Uh, she thinks she gave her enough in her words to put down a horse. But uh, we'll find out in a second that it still wasn't quite enough. Um, let's see. So at this point, we finally see a supernatural spirit. Val finally sees a, a spirit of a young girl uh, unfortunately, she sees this spirit following Saba throughout the, throughout um, the halls. Saba is basically walking around the halls at night. 
Val sees her and then sees a ghost following behind her, so she goes ahead and gives chase. At this point, um, she catches up to Saba um, without altercation. Saba ends up showing Valerie a picture of a girl named Gail. Um, This is a girl that um, Saba was at this hospital with. And in the picture, you can see she's just, you know, your average little girl, and she's holding a purple plushie in her arms. Basically, it's explained that this was her favorite toy, that nobody could ever get it away from her, and blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see. At one point in the movie, Valerie even ha- even finds that plush, that purple plush. Uh, she finds it in the basement right in front of a furnace, which ends up being kind of a vital part of the film later after yeah. we find out what the furnace was used for. Do you mm-hmm. think, think Gail, uh, this mystery kid, might have been mistreated by an Ooh. hospital? A child? <laughs> an, an orphan mistreated in a hospital? No uh, a ra- with a random picture found and a mystery yeah, exactly. ensues. A random picture <laughs> where she looks pissed off as all hell, holding her stuffed animal. Yeah, nothing ominous there. <laughs> all right so at this point um uh, uh i forgot to mention that at, at one point babs um the kind of bully nurse that valerie knows kind of ran off on her own to go do something um they ended up having an exchange and um oh that's what it was um babs sent val down to the basement um just you know to do busy work just to get her out of her face because she was um getting upset about a conversation that they were having and when valerie came back from the basement babs was missing and she's probably gone for probably like 10 to 15 minutes of the film at this point babs reappears and she has very clearly been injured. It looks like her eyes have been gouged out. Not, not necessarily like ripped out or anything too gory, but it just looks like maybe a child potentially gouged at her eyes from behind. And, you know, now her eyes are slightly injured. Um, Comfort sees the injuries on Bab's eyes and accuses um, Valerie of doing it. She ends up um, once again attempting to sedate Valerie for the second time now. And ends up locking her into a, a little side room, like an observation room. Uh, Comfort is able to confine her in there. And then, of course, as soon as Valerie is locked in this room, once again, we see the spirit of Gale kind of do like a weird superimposed thing where like the image of Gale jumps into Valerie. And now we get the confirmation that, yes, this little girl, Gale, has been possessing Valerie for some reason. We're still I, wondering. Yeah, why. I did. kind of. I mean, I did think that was kind of cool, kind of like the superimposing leading to like possession. I thought that was mm-hmm. like a neat little effect. I like the way they did it, where it was a where it, like the camera wasn't looking directly on them; it was like a reflection off the glass door. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. that worked for me. I, I thought that was cool. If they would have literally done it like the camera right in front of them, and literally her silhouette just kind of goes into Val's, I'd have been like, "Eh, that's a little hokey." But the fact that they did it in the reflection, and it looks really good because you can only see it in the reflection; you don't see it like in real life, whatever. However you want to put it, right. mm-hmm. yeah, it works. I liked it. Okay, so at this point, uh, once again, Valerie, possessed by Gale, basically hurls her own body through a window separating uh, that little observation room and then the room where Comfort is dealing with Bab's injuries. Um, Comfort, once again, tries to sedate Valerie, but it absolutely backfires. Valerie gets the syringe away from her and ends up stabbing Comfort in the face with it. Um 
then we basically get one of those montages where we kind of see um, that how Gale, or should I say how Valerie possessed by Gale has been taking care of people. Um, we, we see a little flash scene of Valerie actually gouging at um, Bab's eyes. But then when the camera pans up, it's Gail's face, you know, things like that. So basically the, the filmmakers are being really heavy handed to let you, the viewer know Valerie is absolutely being possessed by Gail. Make sure there's no confusion about this. Um, and during these flashbacks, we also see that Valerie has killed Nev. Um, he's a character that I didn't even get into because he's just, you know, your basic sexist bag that hits on every woman that he works with. It's not even worth my breath, but uh, basically Valerie sets him on fire. That's the image that we were seeing of her where she's um, seeing a flash of someone setting themselves on fire. It's actually not that they were setting themselves on fire. It was Valerie's legs setting someone else on fire. So we get that clarification. And then we also start seeing some more of these Polaroids, like a little Polaroid that Saba was carrying around. We start seeing different versions of them. And through the little flashes of, of um, images from the past and images from these pictures, these Polaroids, we start to put together the puzzle that Gail very obviously was assaulted at some point while she was staying at this hospital and that multiple people, including Babs and the janitor Nev, were aware of what was going on and this is her basically taking them all out. Her, you know, as, as I said, it's a basic ghost revenge story, nothing we haven't seen before. Um, so then uh, Valerie basically blacks out at one point um, after telling Saba, you can't trust me. I, you know, I, that Gail is obviously possessing me. I think she wants me to hurt you. I don't want you to hang around with me. So at one point she actually gives Saba a pair of um, like surgical scissors and says, if you see me again, defend yourself, basically do what you have to do to survive. At this point, this is when Valerie ends up uh, blacking out again. And when Valerie comes to, she actually wakes up with those same surgical scissors in her hands and blood all over her hands. So obviously she starts freaking out. Um, you know, she starts thinking that she may have, you know, in a blackout um, phase, may have injured or possibly even killed Saba. But then suddenly she looks down at her belly and she realizes that the blood on her hands is not Saba's. It's actually her own blood because while she was blacked out, she carved the word listen into her own stomach. Kind of a nice font, too. It looks like she'd been practicing because it looked really nice. Uh, you know, for somebody who's never carved a word into their own flesh before, very nice penmanship. Um, and that's not a joke either. If you see it, folks, you'll see what I'm talking about. It actually looks really cool. Um, anyway, um, after that, um, after Valerie realizes that she had the word listen carved into her belly, she actually starts listening to the whispers that they've been kind of hearing throughout the film that, that she's been kind of, uh, Valerie's been covering her ears and trying to hide from the whispering. So she finally basically just sits down and listens to the whispering and through the whispering and more flashback scenes, um, we start getting a clearer picture of the story. It basically, um, it appears that Gail um, was indeed sexually assaulted 
by a doctor at that hospital and then murdered to cover up the sexual assault. Um, at this point, we're still not 100% sure who may have committed this atrocity, but because Saba is familiar with um, uh, with Gail, obviously this is something that happened recently. So of course, Valerie, you know, starts crunching numbers and trying to figure out who's still at this hospital could be responsible for this. Now, uh, after after yet another blackout episode, Gail ends up waking up in the hospital, um, and it's the next morning. Um, Saba is there with her, but again, uh, I forgot to mention too that Saba only speaks Hindi in the film, so you know, she she knows very little broken English, like a few phrases here and there. But for the majority of the film, she is speaking in Hindi. Unfortunately, we don't really get the translation of what we what she's saying. But in this particular scene, when um, Valerie asks um, Saba, "What happened? How did we get out of the hospital?" She starts to give an explanation in her native language, and there just happens to be an Indian doctor there in the hospital room with them, and he starts to translate what um, Saba is saying. And it starts out with basically. Um, Gail was never going to hurt you. She was never going to hurt me. Um, in fact, Gail actually hid Saba at one point in the hospital, you know, while um, one of the doctors was uh, chasing her, um, potentially, of course, the doctor who was sexually assaulting and murdering these children. Um, at one point, though, the doctor, the Indian doctor, ends up getting upset with something that Saba says, and he refuses to translate the story, saying that, you know, th this can't possibly have happened. It's my first day, lady. I'm not trying to rock the boat, blah, blah, blah. So he just forces Saba out of the room, and they end up leaving. Um, and then at this point, Val once again has a flashback, and now we find out specifically what happened to Valerie when she was at school. And as it turns out, Valerie was also sexually assaulted. Um, she was assaulted by her headmaster, actually. And we find out that the headmaster would pull Valerie into a darkened room, and he would light a cigar before he would, you know, assault her, and that... This is the reason why Valerie was afraid of the dark, because the headmaster was assaulting her in the dark. Uh, for some reason, the scumbag couldn't deal to look at his own crime, so he did everything in the dark. So, like I said, that translates to Valerie being afraid of the dark. Um, and after, um, after this episode... Um, she basically has a notebook that was given to her earlier, um, and it's got pictures in it um, from Saba. Uh, and Saba claims that some of the pictures in the book were actually drawn by Gail before her death. Um, Val starts seeing something really odd in one of the pictures that's basically buried underneath a bunch of um, pencil scratch. So she ends up taking an eraser and starts erasing a section of this pencil scratch out. And when she's done um, erasing it, what we see is an image of Dr. Franklin. The big Franklin. reveal. The big reveal, <laughs> yes, that it is actually Dr. Franklin. And Dr. Franklin, if you remember, is the doctor that she was speaking to at the beginning of the film that initially got her in trouble to begin with. Of course, the nice guy doctor turns out course, to be part yeah. of the hierarchy, and uh, he's exactly. bad. Yep, exactly. he, he kind of looks like a poor man, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, I didn't actually think of that, but no, you're actually right. It's kind of valid. <laughs> um, 
So um, anyway, at this point, Val realizes that it's Dr. Franklin who is uh, the perpetrator. He's the one um, because the picture that she exposes, it looks just like him. It's got the long sideburns. He's wearing glasses. And apparently he's the only doctor at this hospital that wears glasses and has sideburns. So once Valerie makes this realization, she ends up um, trying to stop him from taking Saba to another hospital. Basically, Saba is being transferred to another hospital, and Dr. Franklin has, quote-unquote, volunteered to take her to the new facility. Of course, we all know he has no intention of taking her to the new facility. <laughs> Valerie obviously knows this. She escapes her hospital room and chases down Dr. Franklin, uh, he, uh, excuse me, Valerie ends up catching up with Dr. Franklin. Um, Franklin at this point knows that Valerie is aware of who he is. I mean, he, she's dropped enough hints and, you know, the fact that she just escaped her room to get him to stop him from taking Saba out of the hospital. Um, obviously Franklin knows exactly what's going on. So he ends up taking Valerie down to the basement of the hospital. And apparently the basement is where these crimes have been perpetrated. And, um, we kind of, you know, throughout the film, we kind of put two and two together that, um, Franklin had been sexually assaulting girls and then throwing their bodies, well, murdering them and then throwing their bodies in the furnace in the basement. So he's basically able to do, you know, commit his crime and then clean up all in one fail swoop uh, right there in the basement. Um, at one point, Franklin locks the door behind them and he, he basically gets rid of the facade of the good doctor and he turns into the psycho that he is. You know, he starts yelling at Valerie, starts giving her commands like take off your robe. When she refuses, he ends up punching her in the belly. At that point, Valerie turns the lights off in the basement and actually calls for Gail to appear. Um, unfortunately, Gail does not appear, and the doctor, of course, laughs and says, oh, poor Valerie, still believing in ghosts, are you? Um, but then Saba shows up. Saba ended up um, catching up to the doctor and Valerie, and as soon as Saba shows up, um, suddenly all the lights go out in the basement, the, like the additional lights that she didn't turn off the first time. Um, and then we start seeing the mist and, you know, the, we all know the cliche, there's a ghost coming, the wind is picking up, it gets cold, blah, blah, blah. But basically what ends up happening is we see Valerie um, once again be possessed by Gail. And at this point, she actually starts to levitate. Um, which is one of the cooler shots of the movie to just see Valerie levitating there with the wind blowing around her and everything. And basically she just says one line to the doctor. She basically says, it's about time you listen to us. Um, and I'm sure when she says us, I think she means women in general, because this guy, even though, you know, it seems like he's been taking out children, I'm sure he's not above taking out occasional adult female as well. So, yeah. Um, so, um, what ends us up collectively. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm, for sure. I was gonna say, yeah, us collectively for sure. I, oh, yeah. I, I kind of felt like weird about the reveal because I'm like, if it's if it's this doctor doing it and it's like just him doing it, it's like, so he this one single doctor wielded that much power that forced everyone to shut the hell up about it. I mean, I'll say we're so in fear of their bosses. Yeah, that, because I'm like, it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, a group of doctors 
and like the head guys were actually in on it, but it sounds like it was just the doctor doing it. But then, no, they kind of. Oh, you were getting to that. Go ahead. <laughs> I was like, maybe the higher ups were more. They weren't doing it themselves, but they were just part of the cover up because they don't want any bad press about their hospital. But yeah, I'm that's like, a damn. given. I I would say. I mean, something an organized effort like that can't possibly happen without the head, the the administrator of the hospital not finding out eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, that gets answered for us with the final scene in the film. But before we get to that, um, as I said, um, all three of our, you know, uh, protagonists, Saba, Gail and Valerie, they are all together here. Um, and after Valerie says her line about, you know, it's about time Dr. Franklin starts listening to women, they all basically scream simultaneously, which, of course, makes the doctor grab his ears in pain. And then he just falls over dead. Um Unfortunately, that's all we kind of get. Um, you know, there's no grand um, build up, no, no amazing crescendo. Just literally, they scream. He falls over and dies with the, you know, the uh, the look of fear on his face. Blah blah blah. And that's pretty yeah. much, it. you know, that's kind of. I guess that's what about. they were going for. Like he, yeah, he but, was in so much fear by the screams exactly. that he died of shock or whatever. The problem is, is that ultimately. He is the only one punished. Um, I was looking for a more profound ending in the sense that they should have exposed him somehow. Um, you know, you could still kill him. That's fine. But expose his crimes um, along with, you know, whoever else is in on it. I just felt like that would have been a little bit more satisfying than just killing the one guy. Because ultimately, killing Dr. Franklin only satisfies Gale. Um, oh, and, and all the other women or girls that Dr. Franklin has killed, of course. But then there's, you know, what about all the other, you know, women or children that are being assaulted in that hospital by other people? Because, again, I can't possibly imagine it was just Dr. Franklin. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's all hearsay and conjecture at this point. Um, but let's get to the climax of the film. Um, after Dr. Franklin is dead, his body falls to the ground. What we basically see is a silhouetted image of Val, Gale, and Saba, all three of them hand in hand running out of the hospital. Yes, even Gale, the ghost, we we still see them. Like I said, it's a silhouetted image, so it's just, you know, backlit. But it's distinctly all three of them hand in hand running out of the hospital And then what we see is we do end up seeing the hospital administrator in his office. Now, um, I did forget to mention real quick that um, at one point in the film, uh, Valerie did actually directly accuse the hospital administrator of covering up crimes that have occurred in the hospital. And based on the way that he reacted, like his his expression, it was fairly obvious that Valerie was right, that the, um, that the, the administrator there, he's in on something. Either either he's participating or he's aware that it's going on. But yeah. he very obviously had that look of guilt on his face. So to our epitaph of the film, it is basically we see the administrator in his office by himself. Um, it is the end of the workday. We see everybody leaving the hospital. He walks out of his office into a dark hallway, and he starts hearing the whispering that we've been hearing throughout the film. The last image that we see is the administrator walking into a completely darkened hallway. And once he gets completely into the darkness, we hear a single scream ring out in the hallway. And that's the end of our film. That is, um, oh, what the hell? Uh, what the hell is the name of our movie? 
The power. The power. <laughs> the power to forget. <laughs> um, something either I don't know if you've forgot to mention or if I just like spaced out yeah, right you when you went did. over. But w- the part when they were running, and then they run into like the head nurse lady, and it's almost like they try to give her character like a little tiny bit of redemption because she's like, oh, there's another way out, and I'm like. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, I, I, I again, they're what do people know more than they're well, that, they're that's why it confused me because I was like, are they trying to say she was just a hard ass, but she wasn't in on the covering up? Because I always felt the way they were building her character was like, yeah, she was part of like the network of people that knew something was probably going on, and she, you know, was just doing her part to keep everything under wraps and not to get out to the public. Then I'm like, but are you telling me that little tiny act of redemption makes up for that? Because I wouldn't think so. I mean, uh, yeah, that's not enough to redeem yourself for for what you played a part in. And then also, I actually rewound um, the part where they were running because the fact that it was her, Baba, and the the Gale Ghost girl, I was like, is that? I was like, is that trying to tell me that like they all were actually dead and, and like? we didn't because i was like how the hell is this possible like i guess it's just from uh her perspective that she's like seeing yeah it's probably just an unreliable narrator that's what i ultimately uh sat on was like okay it's just from her you know gail's kind of revealing herself to her Mm -hmm. specifically as like okay now you know i'm quote unquote free of i guess the purgatory of the hospital and this is representative of like my spirit being like free to move on now. Um, I, you know, I going back to my general thoughts when I said like the supernatural kind of elements were like the more just, you know, run of the mill. If you really look at the story too, they could have almost done this without even the supernatural element. Cause you have Bob the patient there. And obviously she, I think it's alluding to like that she's being abused or almost being groomed to be abused or one of the Mm -hmm. two. And they almost could have gone through the whole movie where it was um, the nurse uncovering the abuse happening to her. And then you can still do everything else was like, you know, discovering the, the, the supposed nice doctor ending up being evil. And it could just been centered around like the abuse of Baba. And yes, you could have still revealed that she wasn't the first victim, but you still could have done it without all the supernatural elements. So I, I find it kind of interesting because they had like her, her page. Usually it's like the nurse is discovering without even like a live character and then supernatural. They either go full supernatural or, uh, you know, the cover up going on. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they had both there and they all kind of join screaming forces at the end to yeah, like scare the doctor to death very convenient ending everything just ended off very convenient um i definitely didn't feel like um valerie was in too much danger at any point even when she was being um potentially suspected for killing the two um uh, babs and nev uh, she wasn't even like restricted to her bed, you know. She wasn't handcuffed to anything. She literally just walked through the air duct or crawled through the air duct to get out of there. So uh, there's definitely some dangling plot points here and there, but uh, I, I just wish they would have given us more. Uh, that's all. I mean, I, I hate. 
being that guy that's just, you know, greedy for more, but it's like that you had such a good story here. And then the third act just fizzled out completely. Still, we still have the great atmosphere. We still had great tension, great score. Like all of that is throughout the entire film, but just the actual climax of the third act just left me personally flat. Like I said, you know, I just would have liked to have seen something a little grander, you know, than what we got. Yes, Dr. Franklin gets his comeuppance, but that hospital keeps getting to operate as it has been day in and day out. It's like, where's the lesson here? Um, so, you know, that's... Yeah, all. that's uh, that's the big big issue with it, is that there's no real lesson learned for what happens. Exactly. You know, unfortunately... Obviously, with that final, final scene, that little epitaph, they kind of imply that the administrator gets his, too. But that doesn't mean anything. That just means that uh, his number two is going to jump in. He's the new administrator. And it's just going to be business as, uh, you know, business as usual. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it le- that, that's what I mean when I say it left me a little flat. Yes, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more horror. But I also would have liked to have seen the message stay as big as it started. The message started really large. And then it just, as the movie went along, we started losing the message more and more. And it just kind of fizzles out at the end. So, um, you know, as a, as a haunted house movie, it's good. But as a social commentary, it kind of misses the mark a little bit. But well, yeah, it, again, felt like, it felt kind of like two different movies in a sense of... <laughs> how the third act just like gave us all that stuff all kind of rammed into the third act to be like, it's almost like they had to remind themselves like, Oh yeah, it's also supposed to be a supernatural horror movie. So I guess we got to start doing stuff now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's rare that I want to see that I think a movie could have benefited from a few more minutes. I don't know that this movie could have benefited from a few more minutes, but I do think that maybe some of Valerie walking around the hospital, could have, uh, you know, been spent on a little bit more exposition, especially the headmaster thing, because Valerie gets shit from Babs. Like, Babs flat out accuses her of lying about the headmaster and even says that poor man. Like, Babs actually believes that the headmaster never assaulted Val and that she was innocent. And, of course, the reason is because, you know, later in the film we do find out that she... She did um, admit that it was a lie and rescind the uh, the allegation, but she also reveals that she was forced to do it, that all the people around her, the police, the administrators of the school, all basically, you know, just kind of like how the nurses tried to convince her that nothing happened when she was attacked by mm-hmm. Gail the first time. Basically, the police convinced her nothing happened. Just leave it alone. But it seems like the headmaster probably still lost his job because of the allegation. Because, like I said, the way that Babs reacts, you know, that poor man. It's like, oh, yeah, that poor uh, rapist. Gee, how sad for him. Yeah, really. But that's what I mean. That that was another plot point that was left kind of dangling. It's like we get the reveal that, yes, it actually happened, but it the reveal is literally like three seconds. It's like a quick three second shot confirming that she was in the dark. We see the guy light a cigar again, blah, blah, blah. It's like everything is kind of hurried in the third act of this film. It it does feel like the movie's kind of in a hurry to get to the end of its message. It's like, okay, let's, let's finish off the guys that we got to finish off so that we can, you know, send our little message about women being listened to. And, you know, like I said, it just fell a little bit flat. That's all. Still a good film. Still well worth watching. 
Um, a beautiful film, very well put together. And honestly, there's going to be a lot of people out there that this story will resonate with more than I. And I definitely admit that. This may, maybe this just isn't the story for me, or at the very least, it didn't give me the ending that I would like to have seen in this type of story. But th there's still value to this film, and I still think it should be watched. I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would agree. It's It's worth watching. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of worth watching, what's worth listening to, Venom, that uh, you uh, have put out recently? Unfortunately, once again, it's been a fairly slow week for uh, my shows. Um, unfortunately, I can now announce that In the Mic of Madness is on an official hiatus. Um Basically, Rebecca has just so many different projects going on. She's flying back and forth to different coasts of, you know, she just got back from Pittsburgh. I think she's literally preparing to go somewhere else now. So we've decided to officially put in the mic of madness um, on a small hiatus. And then as soon as she's available, um, you know, we'll get back together and, you know, get that show together. So don't you worry. It'll be back hopefully sooner than later. Um on It's Not Horror Okay, um, once again, our latest episode is still the Rolling Thunder episode, 1977's Rolling Thunder, starring Tommy Lee Jones. Um, still available on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network. If you're a fan of our wacky style of commentary, check that out. And um, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, uh, as Don knows, we are still you know, um, looking for a date that we can get together unfortunately with the four of us in different parts of the country and obviously some life changes happening to one or more of us it, you know scheduling is becoming more and more of a conflict so you know fingers crossed underwater kaiju will be back with an episode um at least sometime in may so <clears throat> let's hope for that um on the main show no more room in hell we just released our um review of two czechoslovakian films or the czech republic uh, we took a look at 1970s Valerie and her Week of Wonders and, uh, excuse me, 2016's The Noonday Witch, um, both of them in Czechoslovakian. So check out our reviews on that. Uh, you can also hear Mike upset me greatly with our burning question for the week, which <laughs> ended up being a pretty popular segment. Go figure. Apparently upsetting Mr. Venom is popular. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, anyway. I'll keep that in mind for future episodes. Yeah, there you go. We 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 got a uh, we we got high quality content on the way. Mike's just gonna make an effort to piss me off every episode. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and I think that's it from me, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, underwater kaiju, um, theme warriors, and in the mic of madness. Just kind of waiting around for some availability. And then of course we got the new episode of the main show. And we're always every two weeks. It's not horror, okay? Putting out our silly movie commentaries. Um, so that's it from me, Mike. All right. Uh, Don, do you have anything out for people to listen to? Uh, not at the moment, no. Um, just basically waiting around on uh, scheduling, um, like with Venom set on Underwater Kaiju, but uh, also on uh, Graveyard Shit. We're just basically trying to get everything together because Will is just absolutely swamped where he is and... I haven't even touched base with him in almost a month. That's how busy it's been. So he said we would he'd be in contact if he was free, and it's been a month since I've talked to him. So hmm. let that be a lesson on how busy he is. So 
Yeah, all right. Well, as far as I go, nothing much to add at this time either. Uh, I mean, we should have a... Let's see. Theme Warriors coming up sometime. And then I know we have a tentative plan for the next No More Room in Hell. And then Fresh Cuts is usually our old reliable weekly show. So we should be back in a week's time for that. Uh, tons of stuff out. Ben, did you end up seeing uh, In the Earth this weekend? No, there wasn't a convenient showing. Unfortunately, my wife and I are sharing a car. And she works nights, as you know, so <clears throat> I have to, I, I pretty much I have to go see a movie. If I go see a movie, it has to be before she leaves for work. Um, so I have to be home by three in the afternoon, as you know, Mike. Um, so I have to see movies early. So unfortunately, In the Earth was only playing later in the afternoon, so I have not had a chance to see it. I already have my ticket to see Mortal Kombat this Saturday morning. And um, if if a convenient showing of In the Earth pops up, I will definitely go see it. But you know, I don't really want to spend thirty bucks on an Uber to go see a ten dollar movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. That make sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, but otherwise, um, there's not really too much on the horizon theater wise. Um, I think you know we still got Saw in May or Spiral. Um, still got uh, what do you call it? Uh, a Quiet Place 2. Um, Shouldn't the there have been any actual promotions for that stuff if they're going to go through with them? I mean, I've actually seen, like, live, like, how, what do you call it? Like, standees and things like that. I haven't seen any actual television commercials. Um, I, I, you know, obviously I don't watch trailers, but generally, like, you know, from streaming on the different apps that I do, I usually do run into movie trailers here and there, but... No, you're right. I haven't seen much about any of the big releases that are supposed to be coming out by summer. Um, hell, I've heard more about Halloween Kills than the stuff coming out in less than a month. Yeah, I've yeah. almost I've almost forgotten Quiet Place Two until you mentioned it. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, it's supposed yeah, to be like midday, I think. And yeah. like I said, I mean, when you go to the theater, you see the standees and the posters and you know the coming soon stuff, but. As far as advertising outside of the theater, yeah, you're right. I haven't seen much of anything. So, mm. weird. Maybe the companies aren't going to be pumping uh, promotional dollars into certain movies, you know, post-pandemic. Yeah, I mean, all I can... all I, At first, I was like, okay, is that an indication that there's still a chance it could be moved again? But I don't know. I mean... I hope At not, this point, cause... I doubt it. I mean, with the amount of money that Godzilla vs. Kong made, I think theaters are solidly back, um, unless we have some unforeseen massive fourth wave. But, you know, barring that, I, I think they're open. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still seeing 40% capacity. I'm hearing by mid to late June, potentially 75, 80% capacity. So... It's looking like things are slowly coming back. So movies, especially for people like me, who there is no substitute for the theater going experience. I mean, you know, I've already seen a couple. I'm ready to see more. <laughs> yep, I can't wait. It's a few weeks away for me, but I will definitely be there. Whether whether there's a horror movie opening that week or if there's like, uh, like I said, in the earth, hopefully. 
Yeah. Um, because of the, you know, because of the overall theater situation, maybe that'll give a, a you know, a smaller title like that a chance to linger on a couple extra weeks. Cause if it's mm-hmm. still playing and there's nothing else that would, you know, take away from seeing that, I'm definitely going to be seeing that. Cause I was definitely intrigued by the trailer I saw. So. Oh yeah, but, Ben Wheatley. You know, I'm down for Ben Wheatley stuff. So I will, I will definitely see it. It's just a matter of a convenient time, because apparently the movie's not like ultra wide release. You know, where it's getting like ten viewings a day. It's it's literally getting like two a day at the biggest theaters in L.A. So uh, it must not be the widest release out there. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Not surprised either. I, I assume it might yeah. even have more theaters now just because of lack of other movies. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, as far as our next episode, I'm not sure. Still tons of stuff. I mean, I've watched a couple of things. Nothing is really singing. I watched uh, I watched The Banishing, which is the new Shutter release that came out after The Power. It's it, once again, it's just color by numbers. Uh, it's nothing special. Um. I'm probably even farther down on it than I was on the power, you know, and Mm. for as cliche as the power was, this one was even more so. So I don't know. You know, once again, it's a haunted house thing, you know, another spirit looking for revenge, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, if you have shutter, why not? If if you got nothing better to watch, I mean, it's not terrible. I'm not, you know, it's not bad. It's just cliche. It's just, you know, we've seen it before. We'll see it again and we've seen it better. So that's all. Um, Jacob's wife was okay. Didn't considering the positive press it was getting, it really didn't blow my mind. Though I did enjoy it more than the banishing for whatever it's worth. Barbara Crampton. Bar- Barbara Crampton was really good in it. Yeah. Some some of the actors, like the cast, was pretty good. I thought. Yeah, and there was yeah, some no, good I, gore. I, exactly. I wouldn't be against doing that movie, but I know there's probably more stuff coming too. So I'm open for it. I was I was uh, what was I trying to watch the other day? Um, and it wouldn't play for me. I think it was Dollhouse, which looks terrible, but I just kind of <laughs> wanted to check it out anyway. It's like 75 minutes long, so I was like, well, how bad could it be? I mean, I'm sure it's terrible. The poster looks awful. It would absolutely fail the Dave Z test. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, well, we'll figure something out. We always do. But uh, with that said, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back in a week's time. Time to get out of here, so say bye to the listeners. Later. Have a good night, folks, and remember, never take a night shift at the hospital. (laughs) Peace.
or I will attack, and you don't want that. <laughs>